Despite these feelings of heartbreak, sorrow, exhaustion, emptiness, and apathy, I could say I came across a sequence of thoughts that made me feel a little better. And to start this pod, I would like to share them with you. Now, we can't choose teams and MLS Cup. Much is very obvious. The passion we have for our club, while it does have an impact on our players, doesn't empower us to choose which games we win. On the other side, it also doesn't give us a choice in determining which games we lose. That would be actually pretty cool. It'd be my Back to the Future 2 fantasy. You don't know what I'm talking about? Watch the first movie beforehand. Now, this weekend was a tough one, Defenders. Our beloved club, on its 53rd game of 2023, fell to a club that was, well, much better than us. It was another attempt at a trophy and another missed opportunity, and this one hurt, and hurt for a variety of reasons, which we will no doubt get into on this pod. The phrase, en las buenas y en las malas, is a beautiful saying and a very powerful one and a very appropriate one in this time. We experienced euphoria 13 months ago, and this weekend we experienced the exact opposite. In good times yesterday, in bad ones today, hopeful ones down the road. Now, despite not being able to choose the outcome of a match for our beloved club, we do have one powerful choice. We can choose the city we call home and the city we love. And let me tell you, defenders, the beloved millions. And millions. That I would choose Los Angeles over Columbus and pretty much any city in this country 11 out of 10 times over. For so many reasons, I'd have to record another podcast to describe that. Let the Columbus crew enjoy their cup. They beat us convincingly. Uh, let's hope the entire Nordeck can huddle around the Philip F. Anschutz Trophy to keep warm when Old Man Winter blasts them with some icy cold snowy BS because it does get cold in Columbus. And we were fortunate not to have felt that this past weekend. Let them enjoy their third star. After all, it was well-deserved and well-earned. But that will be the only thing that the people of the state capital and of the Buckeye town can enjoy. Cause any way you slice or dice it, cost of living excluded, Los Angeles is a better city and a better place to be from a better place to live in and a better place to move to than Columbus. LA is our home. It's our city. LAFC is our club. And in my opinion, LA is far greater than Columbus was far greater than Columbus is and far greater than Columbus ever will be. And that gives me solace and puts a smile on my face, knowing that at the very least, we live in the best damn city this country has to offer. And I mean that from a man born in Manhattan, raised in Queens and spent the majority of his adulthood in NYC. It's adorable to me, defenders, uh, the perception that some people have of our beloved city. Trash, traffic, homelessness, high cost of living is very much a thing. But if this wasn't such a desirable place, a desirable place to be, then housing would be just as cheap as it is in Columbus. Tell yourselves that your city is better, Columbus. But we all know that you're lying to yourself. No one in their right mind is thinking, hmm, let me go to Columbus for vacation. Disney didn't decide to put a theme park there. There is no NBA, Major League Baseball, or NFL team, and no Buckeyes fans. You cannot beat the Jets. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Columbus is a great town. I've enjoyed it multiple times. I've been there. Good times. Amazing people. Uh, albeit some of the fans there kind of suck. But in every bed of flowers, there are always some weeds. Uh, but to compare it to Los Angeles is a silly debate. In fact, it's not even a debate. I'm sure that more people in Columbus would say I would rather live in L.A. if I had the chance. I say this because it came across a lot of toxicity on social media about people clowning our club and clowning our town. And this is my way of addressing it. I not only love this city, I love this club. I love the people that I have met and befriended from it, from ownership down to front office, to the players on the team, to the SGs, the South End, Figueroa, Founders Field, and everything else in between. I love LAFC. Until the day I'm gray, dying and old, I'll forever bleed black and gold, and I will fiercely defend that. That is the thought or series of them that I've uh, spoken about. And uh, thank you for indulging me. As I said, I love you all. I love this club. And I've wasted too much time on this intro. And on that note, for the final time this MLS season on this, oh, this long-ass grueling MLS season. Hello, Los Angeles. Hello, lovers of Major League Soccer. Hello, fans of the beautiful game. And hello to the millions. Oh, I'm back. Sorry. Millions. Defenders of the Bank and LAFC Faithful. My name is Christian Philly Philemon, the once platinum-colored-haired flamingo. And joining me, my partner in pod, one of the best people I have ever known and to steal one of his own lines, the nicest person you'll ever meet, the mouth of the South Bay, G.R. Liebert. My man, thanks again for letting me indulge. <laughs> it's the scarf. Hi. I'm also part of this podcast. It's so much fun. Uh, Philly, new record for you, bud. Five minutes and 52 seconds. So go big or go home, baby. See, see, if Philly uses the Google Doc, right, we have a whole list of things we're supposed to get into first, like first five minutes. It's like sponsorship stuff and, and things we're required to do. And then he's supposed to go on his rant. He got he got him a little mixed up. Uh, what is good? Unfortunately, end of the season, not too much. Let's be perfectly honest, folks. When we embarked upon this journey at the beginning of the season out in the Coachella Valley Invitational, man, does that seem like a long time ago. We got our first glimpse of one Giorgio Chiellini back for another season. We got our first glimpse of Carlos Vela back for another season. And along the way, we added all these beautiful pieces and parts we said goodbye to a few as well. We're talking about you, Jose Cifuentes. We're talking about you, Mahala. Several players that we certainly will miss as we look back fondly upon the story of this season. 53 games, an MLS record, unprecedented, more than one game a week, even though the season is not a full year long. 53 games. In a year where we knocked on the door three times in finals for hardware. In a year of ups, but honestly, let's be real, a lot of downs as well. And of course, as you all know by now, because if it's a spoiler for you, then I don't know how much you really bleed black and gold. Coming up short by one goal in the MLS Cup final, our final chance at a trophy a season that while Steve Turundolo says was still a success, defenders, we would love to hear your take on it. You'll get our take on it in a little bit. We just want to remind you all before we begin, yes, we are part of the Flex family, flexpowertools.com. Head on over to Flex. 
PowerTools.com. What is today? Today is Monday, December 11th, 14 days till Christmas. Hanukkah has already started. We're a couple of nights in. We've got Kwanzaa coming up. We've got all kinds of great holidays coming up in and around this time. Head on over to FlexPowerTools.com, full lifetime warranty on anything you buy in 2023. And of course, we want to remind everybody that we want to start next season playing futsal on the Mo Facio Futsal Court in Southeast LA. Head on over to LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen Facio and get your donations in. I'm just going to throw out a number right now, $53 for the 53 games that we played. Imagine after every time LAFC plays a match, defenders, imagine after every time LAFC plays a match, anybody who's listening to this podcast just went on over to LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen Facio and donated a dollar just for each game. One dollar. We played 53 games this year. If we can get a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand of you that all listen to this podcast out there donating, Field would be built. We'd have state-of-the-art standing room, uh, safe standing sections on both sides of this futsal court. Heck, we'd have BMO Stadium Southeast LA built for you guys. That's for sure. Mm. So head on over to Mofacio, the fundraising futsal court effort. It's on right now. $53 is my take. Philly, you want to throw a number out there real quick before we get to all the other stuff? $32.52. Enough said. There you go. All right. We want to remind everybody that not only are we heard in 109 countries worldwide, but we are Andy Diosa's favorite nocturnal podcast. We love this guy. You guys, Vince LaRosa and Andy Diosa are both, by the way, on the market. I'm not saying they're both single, but they're both available (laughs) for you to hire out there. And we love Vince. We love Andy. They are two of the best people when it comes to putting out content for this club. And yes, we are going to have this day in LAFC history. We are going to have news and notes and, of course, a breakdown of where it all went wrong in Columbus. We will talk about the match. And then after the match, y'all, after the match, after the recap, (laughs) we are going to talk contract situations on a couple of these guys because what we have heard is that LAFC in the next 48 hours is going to release their roster decisions on so many of these players. It's coming in the next 48 hours, if not 24, y'all. So be ready. It's coming. We're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. But before we do that, Philly, you got to fill everybody in on the Coaches Convention 2024. Yep, the countdown to the pinnacle of soccer learning. The 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim isn't just an event, Defenders. It's an experience, and an experience it is. I myself have gotten experience it in Kansas City, and it was a blast. This year features some of the biggest names in soccer. Leonard Griffin from Cal Men's Soccer. Carla Thompson of San Diego Wave FC. Randy Waldrum, the head coach of the Nigerian women's national team. And Mr. Yeagley himself of Indiana University Men's Soccer. I had to throw that in there, even though it wasn't on the list. Engage in immersive field sessions that cover contemporary topics from transition tactics in modern play to the evolution of goalkeeper training. The business of soccer thrives within our exhibit halls, showcasing hundreds of international brands and the opportunity to network with industry leaders. And there is a special offer and... uh. 
Well, you got a couple of days to hop on it. Use the, our promo code DOTB um, and you get the special price of $425. Pl- prices will raise after December 13th. And look, as I said, I was there in Kansas City. I had a really good time. So many great people are there. I got to hang out with Jay Demare. I got to meet a lot of people within the sports media front. If you coach at any level, this is really a worthwhile experience. Uh, And in addition to that, you also get free entry into an indoor soccer exhibit where yours truly, Philly, will be calling the Empire Strikers versus the San Diego Soccers. So the dates for that are in January, Defenders. Uh, I'll give them to you if you're interested. And if I see you asking in the chat or if you're paying attention, I'll address that question. But otherwise, United Soccer Coaches Convention in January. Hope to see you there. We'll be on Media Row. So hopefully you will be too. Yeah, really looking forward to that, of course. Uh, it is time for one of your favorite segments, hopefully, here on Defenders Nation. That would be this day in LAFC history. And don't worry, it's got a tie-in to some of the stuff that we'll be talking about later. The match, as we know, was played on December 9th, just two days ago. And on December 9th, 2019, LAFC at the time, Executive Vice President and Chief Business Officer Larry Friedman was named 2019 MLS Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year. We always love talking about our good buddy Larry on this podcast, but you are listening to this podcast. Well, at least we're recording this podcast December 11th. And on December 11th, 2018, an off-season move was made. And get ready, because those off-season moves are coming. LAFC trades defender Joao Moutinho to Orlando City for defender Mohamed El Munir. El Munir, of course, with the incredible goal and had his face split open by Zlatan. Uh, Joao played for a couple of seasons in Orlando and is now overseas. And that, my friends, is this day in LAFC history. Uh, Philly, let's talk a little bit about these two awards that LAFC picked up as part of the 2023 Mark Abbott MLS Club and Executive Awards. Uh, Is it a ceremony? Is it a press release? I don't even know, but it was announced today. Uh, Philly, we took home the Corporate Partnership Club of the Year and the Operations Club of the Year. I have thoughts on both, but I would love to hear yours first. My thoughts are well-deserved and no surprise that Corporate Partnership Club was an award given to us. As far as Operations Club, I mean, I've never said anything but good things about how LAFC runs its operations. Out of looking at every single team on that list, you have FC Cincinnati winning awards. You have Inter Miami winning awards. I I revel in the fact that those suckers down the 110 did not get nominated for any awards on this front. So not only do you guys suck off the field, no, on the field, but you suck on the field. And those are my thoughts right there. Yeah, my thought is pretty simple about the Corporate Partnership Club of the Year. Let me get this straight. In a year where a club based in Fort Lauderdale brings in the global soccer icon of the world, they still can't bring in enough corporate partnerships to take this award away from LAFC. I thought that was pretty cool. And and I just, our operations are fantastic. Uh, Game Day Ops, everybody out there, you guys are the best. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny that corporate partnership club of the year, LAFC, I definitely thought that was going to enter Miami because I don't know one would have thought about that, but, uh, oh man, 
Unreal. Uh, let's check in on Sifu real quick. He played in three matches since we last recorded a podcast. December 3rd, Sifu was an unused sub in the Rangers' 2-0 win over St. Mirren. December 6th, he was subbed on in the 18th minute. I believe there was an injury, and he was not intending on playing this long. Subbed on in the 18th minute, played the rest of the Rangers' one nothing win over Hearts. And December 9th, Philly, while LAFC was playing for the MLS Cup, you know what Jose Cifuentes was doing? What was he, that, Scarf? He was getting himself a red card, my friend. That's right. In the end of stoppage time in the first half, he was shown a straight red for a late challenge uh, in stoppage time in the first half there in the Rangers 3-1 win over Dundee. That's right. Sifu will not be playing, at least in the next match for Rangers. This recent three-match win streak, albeit without really the help of Jose Cifuentes all that much, now sees Rangers just five points back of Celtic with a match in hand. 12 wins, three losses, and one draw on the season. And more importantly, they've conceded just eight times in 16 matches, best in the Scottish Prem. There is our Jose Cifuentes update. Philly, look, you and I are very excited to go to Angel City football club matches. I have to say the signing that we had over the weekend over at Angel City, even more exciting with the addition of Alyssa's younger sister, Giselle Thompson. It's it's almost not fair. Uh, we had Alyssa go in, in the round of the NWSL draft. And I remember Panda and I were at the watch party that Angel City hosted in Glendale. And it was very exciting to see Alyssa. And she, without a doubt, was worth the cost of entry to an Angel City FC match. She was electric. I mean, I... I I don't think she ended up leading the team in scoring, but without a doubt, a awesome talent. And from what we've heard through the grapevine, her sister Giselle is even better. So now you get two Thompsons for the price of one. It's unbelievable. Uh, from what I was told, Scarf, I think you were there too. Even in track, she was among one of the fastest athletes in the nation. I, I don't know whether or not that's true, but she becomes the youngest signing in club history club is still within young history and she signed through the 2025 season for an option for 2026 not entirely sure you said you knew it because you read it how we were yeah. able to scoop her up without there being a draft she had been practicing with angel city for a little while but why don't you enlighten us on how the heck angel city managed to come across her without so, going through the draft so so props to the front office in angel city because if they would have waited four days later they couldn't have done this uh, Giselle was signed to something called through something what is called the NWSL's U18 entry mechanism. Okay, four days prior to her 18th birthday, she was signed through this U18 entry mechanism in the NWSL. Let's be real; she is currently a senior at Harvard Westlake School in Studio City, California. That's also where Alyssa went. Uh, she had committed to Stanford University. She's played everywhere for the U.S. national youth teams. She's played for the Pan American Games, the CONCACAF Women's Under 20. She won the gold medal at the 2022 CONCACAF Women's U-17s. She competed at the U-17 FIFA World Cup. Here's the other fun part. She's currently playing with a club called Total Football Academy, which is an MLS Next boys team. That's right. She's playing with the boys. That's how good she is. Really looking forward to seeing Giselle Thompson. That's a, that's a long time we spent on the Angel City Minute. Let's move on. Uh, Philly, it's it's maybe time to start ripping off the Band-Aid for the final hatchet wound here in 2023. LAFC travels to Columbus, Ohio in December, and the weather lived up to the billing. 
Columbus, Ohio in December, not really on anyone's bucket list. If you're from Los Angeles, I'll be perfectly honest. Talk to a lot of Columbus crew fans, not really on their bucket list. And they're from there. December 9th. Hence my rant. Maine football. That's uh, it's not really what, where you want your league's showcase game to be played in. But you know what? Ever since they started, the better team hosts the MLS Cup final. And the narrative, unfortunately, ran through this one as well. It's happened 13 times, and the home team has won 12 of the 13 times. Yep, the only road team to win would be NYCFC in that amazing game they had up at Providence Park in Portland that went to PKs. Yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't follow suit. It was also the second time that two number three seeds met in the finals. You'd have to go back to 2010 when the Rapids took on FC Dallas. We said that on One More Sleep. When the Rapids take on FC Dallas in the final, talk about that being a snooze fest. But I will say Lower.com Field, a very impressive venue, Brand spanking new. It was just as pretty as I imagined it to be. And the Columbus crew, a darn good team. Third team in the East, third team in the rankings, 16-9-9 record. Uh, home. This is a team that didn't really lose at home with a 12-1-4 record. 13 more goals over the course of the regular season than LAFC. They did allow uh, about five or so more goals than LAFC over the course of the regular season, but... You know, this is a team, again, that early on in the start of the season, they stumbled a little bit, getting whooped by the likes of the Philadelphia Union in their opener. Uh, They lost in the U.S. Open Cup to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which I thought was one of the funniest things that happened over the entire course of the season. And they managed to lose to the bad version of the Inter-Miami team. But ever since they brought in a certain Uruguayan player from the Turkish Super League, specifically Fenerbahce, uh, a guy that we all know and love, Diego Rossi, they have really done exceptionally well. Rossi contributing to that five goals, four assists over the course of the regular season. He did his thing. Christian Ramirez, uh, you know, moonlighting as the Olivier Giroud of Major League Soccer, coming in as a super sub, scoring when it absolutely mattered to propel his team. And look, Cucho, Matan, uh, Yaya Boa. I mean, this is Darlington Nagby winning his fourth MLS Cup. This is a really good team, and this was never going to be an easy match for LAFC Scarf. Here's the other thing that not a lot of people are talking about. I, I think he now may be the darling of coaching circles in Major League Soccer for what he did last year with Montreal, for what he did this year, clearly, with the Columbus crew, Wilfred Nancy. Um, somehow there was a, a metric out there. There was a list. I just saw top 15 coaches in the world. Steve Trundle was on that list, by the way. It's a, a metric of different data points that are accumulated throughout the course of your tenure, the last couple seasons. But I think if you're asking a lot of people in coaching circles who the top name might be in MLS right now, considering what he's done these last two years is Wilfred Nancy. Wilfred Nancy, by the way, in winning MLS Cup, MLS Cup has been hoisted 28 years. Okay, he is the first black head coach to win MLS Cup. And I asked him about it and he basically it was really interesting. He said, I'm I'm not happy. I'm not happy because there's a lot more work to be done. I'm not happy because while I take pride in being the first, I shouldn't be the first and there should be a lot more of me out there. In fact, there were two other black head coaches at the start of the season, Robin Frazier and Ezra Hendrickson, both of them fired uh, at some point in the season in 2023. So he was the last remaining black head coach and he certainly represented well, incredible job by Wilfred Nancy this season, uh, losing a player, the likes of which the league rarely sees in Lucas Zellerayan 
and able to replace the output uh, from Lucas Zellerayan with, you mentioned Diego Rossi, you mentioned Christian Ramirez, uh, but obviously Cucho Hernandez, who is a, a best 11 talent in this league and a player who I don't think will be long for this league, uh, to be perfectly honest. He put all of his talents on display against us again uh, at the course of throughout the course of the MLS Cup final, but only one player, Philly, Aiden Morris, graced the roster of the 2020 MLS Cup winning Columbus crew. That was only four seasons ago. Only one player, Aiden Morris, was still on the team in 2023. A remarkable feat for the club. They're almost like the Florida Marlins that year. They won in 97 and they won again in like 2001, but it was a fire sale between both of those years where they won it. Uh, or was it 2003? Excuse me, 2003 they won it. Uh, 90 mm, the Bartman year. Yeah, two, I'm pretty sure it was 2003. Um, yeah, I was in college. I was at IU. That is correct. An incredible job done by the front office of the crew, an incredible job of putting guys who, look, let's all be honest, folks, on paper, LAFC matched up. They had the names. They had the talent. They had all of the different accolades on paper, but there's a reason why these games are not played on paper. Yep, none of that really mattered. We were going in suspecting that LAFC would utilize the same tactics that they utilized in the previous two rounds, and that's allow the other team to be more possession-heavy and then catch them on the counter. The unfortunate thing is we didn't really catch them on the counter, and the unfortunate thing is they dissected us much like uh, uh, you dissect a, a, a toad or a pig in high school science class in the 70s. By the way, I can't believe people used to do that in school, let alone – Ugh, no way. But yes, the Columbus crew matched up on paper. We had, as I guess the you did a pod, Scarves and Spikes. Uh, they said we had more guns to shoot than, or no more bullets to shoot than they they did. And the star yeah. power, the likes of Carlos Vela, the Giorgio Chiellinis, the Kellen Acostas, U.S. Men's International, the Ilya Sanchez's of the world, such young, amazing talent. But, you know, our talent wasn't on display, certainly not within the first 45 minutes. It was an ugly start of the game. Yeah, let's get into the rosters. I'll start with the oh, now, I guess, uh, defending champion, uh, Columbus Crew, uh, led, led by Wilfred Nancy in a what MLS soccer, soccer.com com, called a 3-4-2-1. Not really what I saw from them throughout the course of the match, but that's OK. Uh, goalkeeper Andrew Schulte who won back-to-back titles in 2022 and 2023 uh, last year, winning the MLS Next Pro title, and this year now in goal for the champion of Major League Soccer Columbus crew, Andrew Schulte, who got absolutely drilled in the face with a ball. Uh, incredible save. It wound up not being enough, obviously, but uh, yeesh, Andrew Schulte. On the back line, Malte Amundsen, Rudy Camacho, Steven Morera, who I thought really played Denis Bawanga very physically, very clean, and very well. That was a very good showing by Steven Morera. And the player who I thought, if you go back and watch the 2020 MLS Cup final, I did, uh, where Columbus uh, beat Seattle. Seattle was the overwhelming favorite in that one as well, and Columbus wound up winning. The the star of the match, obviously, was Lucas Zellerayon with the two goals, but the guy who really jumped off the page was Aiden Morris. He had his coming out party. I think anybody who watched this match knew who Mo Farsi was by the end of the game, number 23, Mo oh, Farsi. Yeah. He was everywhere 
for Columbus, tracking back on defense, getting in the way of passing lanes, just a little toe poke to get the ball away from here and there. Mo Farsi, to me, was the reason why we were as sterile on offense, I'll say, as we were, (laughs) especially in the first 70-plus minutes or so. Uh, Mo Farsi played one hell of a game. Uh, A player who we'll certainly talk about in the midfield, one Yaw Yaboa from Accra, Ghana. Uh, midfielder Aiden Morris, who, like I said, was the only player on the roster in 2020's Cup win for the crew. No, wasn't Darn- Darlington Nagby there? No, not in 20. 20- no, he was with Atlanta United back then. In uh, 2020? No, you might want to double check that. He won in, in 15 with Portland. He won in 18 yeah. with Atlanta. 20, he was on Columbus. This was his fourth. No, I'll double check that. But either way, if it's just Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby. Darlington Nagby, I'll say this about Darlington Nagby. He is probably every MLS player's favorite player. Darlington Nagby is as good, as veteran, as complete of a midfielder as there ever have been. Uh, excuse me, as there ever has been here in, in Major League Soccer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you're right. He was on both. Sorry, I missed that one. Darlington Nagby and Aiden Morris. Oh, Nagby was hurt. He didn't play in the final. That's why. He's the he only player... He was the only player in, in the 18. That's which is what I've been saying. He was the only player, Aiden Morris, the only player who played in the 2020 MLS Cup final. Nagby did not play. He was hurt. Uh, forwards, Diego Rossi. Heard of him, turns out. Uh, Diego Rossi was up to his old tricks in this match. Uh, a Romanian, Alexander Matan. He, uh, Philly, I know, caught your eye over the course of the run-up for this match. And Cucho. Cucho is very, very good, a best 11 talent in this league, and we saw why in the final. The five guys who wound up coming in and can tell their grandkids they played in an MLS Cup winning final, uh, Yevon Shaberko, Sean Zawadzki, Julian Gresselmania, Kevin <laughs> Molino, and, of course, the pride of Yorba Linda, former black and gold Christian Ramirez. LAFC utilized the same exact starting lineup that they had in previous games. Now, you mentioned that the only player from the Columbus crew that managed to play in the 2020 final was Aiden Morris, who, by the way, congratulations, one of the few players in Major League Soccer who managed a passing rate over 92% over the course of 1,500-plus minutes. Amazing statistic. Uh, Our starting lineup, typical 4-3-3, we have Max Seam Crepo, who he started in the MLS Cup final last year in between the pipes. Chiki Palacios, Giorgio Chiellini, Jesus David Murillo, and Ryan Hollingshead. Three out of those four started, with the exception of Chiellini. In the midfield, we had Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, and Timothy Tillman. Tillman not on the team last season. And then up top, Denny Bowanga, Carlos Vela, and Kike Oliveira. Oliveira did not start in that. Uh, the substitutions that came into the game, Mati Bogush, Fufu Krastev, Sergi Palencia. And who, uh, Nathan Ordaz. I think that was it. I don't think we had any other subs other than that. I think we only had four as opposed to the five. So no sense in going over the rest of the 18. But that's the team. That was the lineup that Steve Chirondolo utilized. That's the starting lineup that he thought would get us to the promised land. And despite the outcome of it, getting the two straight back-to-back finals, not an easy feat. So at the very least, we have to be somewhat happy about that. Our 53rd game, a season in which we had imploded on on a number of occasions, a testament to the resiliency of this team. They still managed to make it to the final when most people had us written off going down in Seattle. But we certainly went down uh, in this game, and we never had the ability to look up. The first 45 minutes of this game, Scarf, 
arguably the worst 45 minutes we have witnessed of LAFC this entire season, and it couldn't have come at a worse time. Yeah, a couple things pre-match. Uh, when they put up the starting lineup for LAFC on the board, they uh, purposefully, because come on, it's it has to be at this point, purposefully misspelled Denny Bawanga as Dennis Bawanga, two ends, Dennis Bawanga, and Maxime Crepion, C-R-E-P-E-O-N, Crepion. So that that's not that's not an autocorrect. That's them already kind of doing little things, you know, trying to play the head games, doing everything else. The TIFO was adorable, right? Like, okay, here's what I don't understand. If you ask any person walking down the street, let's just be real here. If you ask any person walking down the street, hey, what color is that Columbus Crew jersey? I'm not being like a <laughs> bitter, jaded LAFC fan by saying it's not friggin' gold. It's yellow. When I bought my first Crayola crayon box, there were only eight in it. That's all we could afford back in the day. One of those looked a whole hell of a lot like the Columbus Crew jersey. It was flipping yellow, people. It was yellow. That's yellow. You guys are not the original black and gold. I know it's cute that there were no other teams that used the black and gold color scheme. But if you go all the way back to your first ever games since 96, you've been yellow. I can't help that since 96, you guys don't know your colors but you're yellow, not gold. It was a cute TIFO. Either way, I will say this, Philly. When those, I, I didn't get a chance to, to look up what type of, of fighter jets those were that went over, but when those went over, I peed a little and it was really cool. That flyover <laughs> was awesome. Yeah, no, it certainly stuck uh, the, the arm hairs that I had. I thought it was a star-spangled banner that would have made them raise. I didn't expect those jets. And by the way, I just want to welcome our first jerk-off into the room, Lazarus Slade, another one of these uh, Carson cockatoos, a person who's unoriginal in his thought process, who can't think of anything original say, will use the term L.A. feces because he thinks it's cute and clever. Buddy, you are a cockatoo regurgitating the same tired nonsense that we've heard over and over again. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our pod. You want to say we live rent-free? You're living rent-free in our head. So congratulations on being the first jerk-off on the show today. Uh, other way around. We're living rent-free in his head. Yeah, but whatever. I, I don't even give those Here's guys... Yeah, I don't even give those guys a time of day. Let, let them talk. That's fine. Well, hey. no, I, I just had to call them out. I, I love calling you, out these jerk-offs because they're all so flipping dumb. Ah, don't worry about it. Don't you always say, Phil, if you don't have haters, you're doing something wrong, right? So, yeah, no, you're right. Anyways, later, Lazarus. Have a good night. Go Aww, enjoy your bunk bed in Mama's room. Bye. Hey, don't kick him out. Let him stay. Oh, we'll ah, screw him. Uh, 20,802, a new attendance record for Lower.com Field. We're happy that we could help oblige the attendance record. And I'll say this one more thing about the the Nordecki and, and about the the rest of the I'll say eighteen thousand or so that were there that were not supporting LAFC. They were pretty loud pre match. They were they were pretty loud pre match. There the Nordecki really does do a very good job of you know trying to to do a lot of the things to to keep your your fan base in it. They they stop for large swatches of the game. They're not loud the entire game, but look, I'll be really honest. I was, I was pleasantly impressed and surprised by the fan base and the support that Columbus had. Look, I know it's a final, right? Like no kidding. It's a final. They should have their best and brightest support of the year for the team in black and yellow, but either way, the Nordecki, they were great. 
I thought they were, they added to the match. It was fun banter all around. Uh, and, and you know what? I got into it with a couple of crew fans. They got right into it back, but it was all, it was banter. It was respectful. It was what it should be. So I, I, I don't, you know, come on. I'm begrudgingly giving the crew fans their, their just desserts because you know what? When, when you whoop our ass in a final, I guess you get to get your just desserts all the way around. I agree. If there's any fan base that has the right to talk trash to it, it's theirs because, well, they whooped us and it, and it worked. Look, we're getting into the match. 27 minutes is really when we started to see the first bit of action go on. And it was our very own Diego Rossi with the first scary attempt from either side. It would have been pretty yucky to start off that way. I mean, Rossi, Rossi showed us all game long what we missed of him in LA, including his reputation for diving. It seemed as if that, that, that was such a part of his game back then. And obviously we didn't really hate it as much, but you know, diving is as much a part of his repertoire as speeding past the defender, but he did set himself up for a pretty good shot. Luckily nothing came about that in the 27th minute. Yeah. I, I do want to mention just real quick. Uh, the crew had numbers in the 10th minute after Ryan Hollingshead missed the ball pretty badly. And they were off to the races. We got lucky that they passed the ball right back to us. I, I hate it because, Philly, I think one of the players that you and I, more than any other, have really grown to love and and get to know a little bit better this season is Ryan Hollingshead. He picked a really bad day to have a subpar performance, uh, and that's me being, me being nice. Um, it was not a good day, and it really started there in the 10th minute. I really love the physical matchup between Moreira and Denny Bawanga. I thought that was... Uh, that was a huge uh, matchup advantage for them that I didn't see on paper, that's for sure. And look, Cucho in the 23rd minute was given this that little bit of window, and he rocketed one just wide of the post. Who had, I mean, he had no space, and yet still put that one pretty close, uh, pretty close to on frame. But yeah, look, in the 31st minute, that's when everything kind of kind of changed for us. Unfortunately, the handball that people will argue should it have been a handball, should it not have been a handball? I don't know. But uh, I think it was the right call, being perfectly honest. It looked like a handball at the time. You can argue with it if you want, but unfortunately, they whistle for it. It's Cheeky Palacios on the, on the bad end of an unlucky break. And just two minutes later, it's Cucho. Look, he's a world-class striker. Max guessed wrong. Cucho guessed right. It's easily passed. We're down one nothing. 33 minutes in. And the one thing I did notice, Philly, after they scored that goal, they switched Kike over to Denny Bawanga's side and Bawanga over to Kike's side. So maybe Coach seeing something there uh, a little bit. But unfortunately, Philly, just past the half-hour mark, we're down one nothing, and we're being outplayed pretty heavily here. Being outplayed pretty heavily. And look, if we're going to utilize stats as a barometer, uh, we don't particularly do well when the opposition scores before us. It's generally when we score first that we tend to be the more successful team with no losses over the course of the regular season and that one loss against Monterey in the League's Cup. Look, Yaya Boa had a nice move into the box. Uh, that ball that bounced from Rossi and hitting Cheeky. Look, you could say what you want, but in a play like that, you gauge whether or not it happened based on the reaction of the player. And Cheeky looked guilty as sin at that point. When you go back to watch the replay, he knew it. There was no question about it. So not going to argue that call. Cucho does draw first blood. And he didn't hit it pretty that hard. It wasn't an effective. Sh it was effective in the uh, direction. But he didn't particularly smash the ball. 
But I mean, it went in, and at the end of the day, that's uh, that's all that matters. And right now, we are stalled right in the middle of Poop City, being down one nil. And I don't mean Poop City, like as in Columbus. I mean like Poop City, like as in like you know a poop town. We're in Poop Town because we're it's playing not like going poop. well. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going well for us. It didn't take much longer for it to go worse. Just four minutes later, look, Ryan, I love you, buddy. You got beat on a really good ball. Uh, I, I I don't know what was worse or what was better i don't know which which played more of an impact ryan kind of falling asleep and letting yaya boa get behind him or the absolute dime i mean dime of a pass by multi amundsen that pass by amundsen probably one of the five best passes i've seen this year period period he was unbelievable on the pass sometimes you have to tip your cap to such a good pass. Now, yes, Ryan got beat. Yaya Boa got behind him. And, and I think if, if Ryan asks you in a foot race, Yaya Boa is winning that foot race 10 times out of 10. But you play defense with angles. You play defense by, by cutting off the passing lanes. What a great pass by Malte Amundsen. And look, it was, it was all over if Yaya Boa puts that one away. He just flips it over the left shoulder of Maxime Cropot. Maxime came out, tried to cut off the angle, but there's just nothing you're going to do about that. That one, to me, hurt worse because it's an error we haven't made much this season. The guy getting in behind. Now we're down 2 nothing. I mean, hey, right, Philly? It's the most dangerous lead in soccer. 2 nothing. Uh, <laughs> I hate that so much. But, Especially when you're on the on the losing side of that. <laughs> right? It, it felt like 2 nothing too, at the end of it, too. It felt like that was going to be a tough hill to climb. Man, I we were watching it from I guess what would be the the south end of, of the stadium, and the yeah. minute he went on that run, I, I looked over to Gaston and I, I simply uttered the words, "Oh, something that rhymes with hit." Yeah, uh, it, it, you could just see the play develop. He had only Maxime would have been able to have made that play. I mean, it was such a beautiful run, such a beautiful build up, and yeah, at that point, it's two to nothing, and. The crowd was electric. I mean, they were electric all day. I mean, it sent lower.com field into a euphoric daze as at that point you can feel the cup slipping through LAFC's fingers. And it was raining pretty heavy at that point. And I would say that, well, it was all our collective tears at that point because it was painfully obvious that, as I said earlier, we had one of our worst first halves. We did have a shot at redemption, though, in 45-plus. I think 45-plus three. We had a nice opportunity with a drive on the sidelines. Cheeky hits Kike, but his play in the box. Camacho, and, well, there was no one there to take advantage of the space that it yielded in. Things would have looked mighty different had that ball managed to find its way past Schulte. But, alas, that was the only real threatening opportunity we had in that half. And if you look at the halftime statistics, we were not only outplayed, Scarf. We were scorched. Yeah, look, I want to mention a couple of things, though. After they scored second goal, we responded nicely, I will say. I don't think we were outplayed as badly after the 40th minute until stoppage time as we were through the first 40 minutes. Uh, Kike got to the line, went all the way to the goal line and a ball, crossed it. And look, what we've seen from Kike Oliveira this season, some of his crosses go absolutely nowhere to absolutely no one, but he's able to get to that line every time. This one wound up on the foot of Ryan Hollingshead and shot it wide, and he was so upset with himself after the shot. It was a decent ball. It was a decent chance. Uh, again, 
after a set piece by Carlos Vela from 40 yards out, we had several touches in the box and a header found Schulte. So we were knocking a little. And then on that counter, that was where Carlos Vela ran full sprint with Cucho to knock that ball out for a corner kick, right? So you're seeing Carlos Vela leave it all on the pitch. God, I hate to harp on him, but with, with the first minute of stoppage time, Ryan missed another ball. Diego Rossi was off to the races again. And it was only because of the hustle by Jesus David Murillo and, and genuine Cougar in the chat. Uh, Murray was on. M- Jesus Murillo played fantastically. Jesus Murillo, look, we'll talk about Giorgio and, and everything that could happen at the end of this season and the offseason and what we're going to look like next year. I, I thought that Jesus Murillo's emergence this season as a 1A next to Giorgio Chiellini Maybe one of the most important things that we get out of this 2023 season. But you mentioned it, got kind of whooped, going to the half, down two nothing, and, and Steve's got to be breaking out the Animal House speech, right? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No, like whatever you can do to rally the troops, you rally them. Uh, it it didn't quite work. No, I mean RXG was 0.27. Our passing was atrocious, 74 percent on 159 passes. They had 341. We had 33 passes in the final third. We were hardly threatening in this match. I mean, Columbus threw everything at us and continued to dominate us. And the goals just being four minutes apart absolutely deflated and and killed us. I mean, we never really. I mean, we didn't find ourselves really back into this game until later on, but we enabled the crowd to get in it. And, you know, it was unfortunate. I mean, Cucho's PK beat, snaps a 400-minute streak that LAFC didn't allow a goal. And, I mean, again, you know what our record is when we score first, significantly better than when our opposition does. But, yeah, Yaya Boa's run, that kid was really good. I mean, backbreaker for our back line and a gut punch. It was a play that, again, you saw developing. It's... You know, I went down to the concourse just to grab myself a margarita. And <laughs> yeah, man, I, uh, I I was not feeling good and optimistic up to that point because I, I, I hadn't seen our boys get outplayed. It's like we were sluggish. You talk about how good Murillo was. Absolutely. But in certain elements, you can pick certain cases where there was no sense of urgency. When the boys, when the ball would come off the touch, off the end line, off the touch line, off the sideline, whatever, nobody seemed to rush. Nobody seemed to want to hustle into it. You didn't really see that drive until the final ten minutes or so of the game. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I mean, I just I didn't see that sense of urgency and that fiery drive that propelled us to so many victories over these past two seasons within the first forty five minutes. And that to me was a a a red light, an alarm, if you will, a sense of fear because. This isn't the same team that we saw beat Houston and beat Seattle. It was just yeah. a different team. I'll, I'll say this. I actually don't think that was on LAFC. I think that was on Columbus. Columbus. What do you mean? Yeah, I think that was on Columbus. I'll tell you what I mean. LAFC came into this match, like we have both said now, knowing that we would lose the lion's share of possession, right? Yep. I think Columbus was doing a better job of keeping the ball away from us. I mean, that goal, if you look at the buildup to the Yaya Boa goal, by the way, I want to say it's something like 20, 25 consecutive passes. 20 to 25 consecutive passes. They had the ball for like 32 seconds of possession on that Yaya Boa goal. They lulled us to sleep by keeping the ball. You mentioned Aiden Morris, his 90-plus percent pass accuracy for the season – 
their entire team was Aiden Morrising the hell out of us throughout that entire first half and first 70 minutes. Columbus played the best version of that game that they could have played through the first 70 plus minutes. And I think, look, we should have been more urgent, but if we were, I feel like we get ourselves out of shape. If we start chasing, now you have a couple guys caught up field and all Cucho needs, all Aiden Morris needs, all Darlington Nagby needs is a little bit more of a window. We saw what Cucho did with that small window he had early on in the first half. They they did a great job of possessing the ball. And then when they needed to team defend, that's where you're, you're right, Philly. They looked far more urgent and far more effective team defending, which was our it was our feather in our cap leading into this match is how well we were team defending. We, we definitely didn't do that uh, throughout most of this match. Uh, we saw the writing on the wall for Timothy Tillman in the 53rd minute as he picks up that yellow. And what, just seven minutes later, Matty Bogush comes on for Timothy Tillman in the first change. I, I think, I think maybe we could have seen some subs at the half, maybe 15 yeah. minutes earlier. That might've helped something to, to kind of talk to, to what you were saying, that point Philly about maybe it's urgency. Maybe it's changing shape a little bit. Maybe it's something I thought maybe Maddie in the 60th minute, it could have been Maddie Bogush in the 45th, along with maybe Hollingshead coming out. I didn't know, but just my thoughts. There's a reason why they don't pay me to coach or, uh, <laughs> or do anything in the front office for the club. I, I mean, Mati certainly added a spark uh, the minute he came in. I feel like the game changed around, and LAFC was a little more offensive and a little bit more aggressive, like you were alluding to. But, I mean, two minutes in, Scarf, I mean, Cucho had another threatening shot saved yep. by Maxime. And then, what, you had two minutes after that, Yaya Boa smoking Ryan Hollingshead again with effective dribbling in the box. Uh, luckily, Cheeky was there to head the ball out of danger. That was scary. Had Cheeky not been there, Scarf, Rossi was right there to convert. And I think that would have stung more than anything at this point. Like, look, players come and go. I, I get it. But to see somebody who had such a successful run with us be the final nail in the coffin, I'm glad it didn't happen. Uh, so thankfully, Cheeky made that huge play. And man, if it wasn't for him, I, I don't know. I might have just went right to the airport at 3 nothing at that point. Yeah, I mean, look, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I'll say this again. We're going to lose him, folks, because we haven't given him enough recognition. Not we LAFC, but we Major League Soccer. I think he's gone, and, and we'll talk about uh, uh, we'll talk about why I think he's gone other than how he's played. But, man, Cheeky Palacios has been the best. Amundsen gets a yellow in the 61st minute uh, because he got that foul on Vela, gave us a set piece. And look, Vela did a good job of putting those set piece balls where they needed to go. Oh, yeah. He played it to Muri on that outside post who headed it over to Denis Bawanga, whose shot was over the bar. It was right off the training ground. Carlos Vela did a wonderful job with that. And, and I thought that it was something that we could really start building on if Miguel, we have a, that's a whole other podcast, but uh, if, if it was something that we could really start building on. But then I think I said this, I wrote this in my notes at least once in the first half. And then definitely here in the second half as well. After about the hour mark, I just said again, Mo Farsi is absolutely killing us with all the times that he's tracked back and helped. Uh, Ilya gets a yellow for taking out Darlington Nagby. Uh, and just we, we couldn't do much at all, Philly, until we finally got that lucky break in the 74th minute. 
look, I'll let you break down the goal, but I'm just going to say this. At least he tied the record, right? We got some history in the MLS Cup final. Yeah, tying the record in a season where we didn't end up winning MLS Cup. That, unfortunately, was a repeat. But you, you're right. He did tie it. 74th minute, we do show a spark of life. There was an errant pass intercepted by Moody, and Moody sprints into the box, getting a pass in over to Denny Buanga. His first attempt, credit to Schulte. The kid's got a great story, by the way, coming from MLS Next Goalkeeper of the Year to being the the... the just to be in the MLS Cup final, a, a tremendous, tremendous year that that young man's had. First yeah. attempt, he saves it, but then ball rebounds, gets right to Denny, and boom, he's threading the netting. It's two to one. There is a spark of life. Denny ties Carlos with his 38th goal in all competitions, gives us that glimmer of hope, and it got all of us in the stands back into it. I think that's the only also rose out of my chair and I got really into it. I thought we would pull off a miracle uh, with about 20 or so minutes to go. It would have worked out really well considering all the offensive firepower that they subbed off. They ended up taking off the likes of Cucho. They ended up taking out Diego Rossi. If we would have ended up an extra time potentially in PKs to take out two of your top scores would have given us that advantage. And I thought they really started wasting a lot of time, something that would have come back to haunt them. And they should have known better having Columbus, uh, having Cincinnati been up to nothing and then for them to them to come back. I really thought we would have pulled it off at that point, man. But it really took a long time to get us into the crowd. I know you lost your mind. I lost my mind. I essentially lost my voice at that point. But at least LAFC was able to give us some thrill in this game. Yeah, I didn't sit down for the entire match. I was actually standing right next to the security guard that was uh, in our section there. And I, I just... I really did. I I thought we were going to come back. And especially when we get uh, Fufu Krastev on for Kellen Acosta in the 77th minute, I thought, okay, we're pushing chips towards the middle. We're not quite going all in just yet. But I did notice the crew after that goal, and even before then, they started to play their corners short, 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 just to keep possession. And I was like, okay, they're not, they're not going for the jugular the way they were through the first 75 minutes or so. Things really changing, and I thought we sped them up a little bit for the first time. They weren't able to sit back, create a series of passes, chain things together as well. Uh, they did start time-wasting, and I agree. I was very happy. Look, seven minutes seemed appropriate, right? The, the stoppage time seemed like they got it right, but you mentioned it. In the 83rd minute, we got Shaberko and Zawadzki coming on for Yoyubo and Darlington Nagby. And I felt like in the 85th minute when Cheeky got that yellow, Ilya and Max turned to the boys and said some things like, let's go. If we're going to go, we're going now. And in the 85th minute when you got Ilya and Max, and I'll say this, you guys, for all of the leadership that Carlos Vela was supposed to be providing in this match, I really felt like it came from Ilya, like it came from Maxime Cropot, even obviously Giorgio Chiellini and the way that he just plays the game, there's a lot of leadership in that. I, I was missing that leadership type of fire from Carlos, especially in these moments. I thought it was time. And, and you mentioned it, taking off Mo Farsi and Cucho Hernandez for Christian Ramirez and Julian Gressel. Still two very good players, on yep. it, right? But we were able to get Sergi on. I, I was broken up about this. Hmm. I, I want to remind everybody, when we scored a goal to save our bacon against Philadelphia, 
The only reason why Gareth Bale is able to dunk on Jack Elliott is because of Cheeky Palacios. Getting that ball all the way down to the line, 120 minutes in. No quit in Cheeky Palacios. None. No quit. A player who has proven after extra time and an hour and a half and then two hours of soccer that he is ready. The fact that we took him off in the 87th minute for Sergei Palencia. And by the way, I'm not even going to talk about Mario Gonzalez coming on, but whatever. <laughs> but Cheeky was so pissed when he had to come off the pitch. And I'll say this right now. That's the last image that Cheeky Palacios may have in black and gold. That's the last thing I wanted to see. Yeah, fair enough. One would argue that, well, Cheeky Palacios doesn't make that play to Gareth Bale had. Elias Sanchez not had a great and proper throw in. Just saying. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mario Gonzalez subbing into the game. It's um, it's just amazing to me. Like the guy who came in so highly heralded ended up losing out to Nathan Ordaz in terms of his position on the depth chart. I mean, it goes to show you how, well, little we valued Mario Gonzalez. But you thought, hey, you know, crazier things have happened, right? 13 months prior, we saw some of the craziest stuff maybe we'd have ever witnessed within LAFC. Could Mario have come in and made a difference? And well, the answer in short is no, he didn't make a difference. He didn't do a <laughs> he damn thing really all season. He was more, it's more frustrating to watch his name. El Pistolero de Aqua is, uh, is really his moniker, but you know, 89th minute, Carlos did have a brilliantly placed cross into the box that connected with a header, but Moody didn't have enough mustard on that header. It was an easy scoop for Schulte. And you said it, Carlos Vela's, um, that pieces, his, his, is balls in his balls on the box. That's like giggity. That's um they, they were effective. And the guy played his tail off when he made that play uh to avoid avoid a corner for LAFC. I mean, you gotta hand it to the captain. He certainly went all out on what could potentially be his last game. Now at the end, we're seven minutes of extra time, but you know, I really I don't know about I thought we would end up being closer to nine or 10, man, especially when Schulte went down for a while and the training staff came out to see him. I thought that they were very less than generous with their time. I mean, we've seen games where it didn't feel like we needed any injury time and we were sitting around the nine mark, a game in which, well, yes, bias, we would have wanted more minutes. I don't think seven was enough. I think we should have been closer to nine or 10. That's just my perspective. But of course I was drinking margaritas uh, and and sulking. (laughs) I could be wrong. I I just think we forgot how little we did through the first like 30 minutes of this half before the goal by Denny Bawanga. There was almost no stoppage, but you're right. Look, hey, I wouldn't complain giving us some uh, extra time. Uh, was it was it Jesus Murillo who bowled over two guys uh, on his way to the ball? And it was just we were taking out guys left and right. And then Aiden Morris accidentally trips over one of our trips, one of our guys and gets the foul call. And that's I thought the, the crew fans were going to come unglued there. And I was like, oh, my God, if something happens on this set piece, Vela with 40 yards out after we took out two of their guys to get possession, no foul called on either one, which is fine. The ref deemed it shoulder to shoulder. If Carlos is able to work some magic here at the end of stoppage time, unfortunately, Ryan Hollingshead, who I don't know if I mentioned it enough, but uh, didn't have his best game, was not able to put it on frame. And and Philly, I, I have to be honest, I knew it was over when it was the Christian Ramirez show in the final minute oh yeah, where he takes the ball all the, the way down to the corner 
fights off two LAFC players, gets the crowd fired up after he earns a corner. And it's Christian Ramirez, who you knew he wanted it badly, right? He barely, he barely got into the match, barely made an impact on the Columbus crew this season, and definitely barely made an impact for the black and gold when he was here. There was a lot of uh, a lot of ballyhoo and hype when Christian Ballyhoo, Ballyhoo, by the way. Mark that one on your bingo card. Uh, It was Christian Ramirez taking it down to the corner and doing what he needed to do to see out the last minute or so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when that whistle blew, and blew really quickly, I mean, I don't think that we were more than three or four seconds into that seventh minute. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't very generous with giving us extra time. Uh, they weren't very generous within the, the seventh, well, it would have been the eighth minute. When that whistle blew and lower.com field erupted, you know, I it was very deflating considering yeah. like how many games, this was such a long grueling season, man. And from so many perspectives, obviously for the players, but even from a spectator's perspective, certainly for a podcaster's perspective, we've done well over a third of our podcasts in our entirety. This season alone, we were tired, started getting to the point where it's like, geez, another game, another leagues cup, another, this, another, that, I mean, 53 games, was a lot for all of us. I mean, I know that's a th- regular thing if you go down. I mean, Luis Suarez played that many matches for for Gremio down in South America. I get it. But obviously, if you're not accustomed to that and you're playing essentially 20 or so more matches than regular, yeah, it's going to take a toll on you as a player and as a fan. Um, but hats off to them. There was no question that they deserved to win to, to hoist that they deserved it. They, they, they whooped our ass. No questions, no concerns from my perspective. I mean, the only questions that we, you know, we have are going to be who remains, who goes, who stays. It's going to be. Whoa, interesting- that was, that was smooth segues with defenders of the bank. We haven't done that in a hot minute, my friend. Nicely done. Yeah, well, I well, I try. I mean, you said 63 games until we go back to India. And by the way, Scarf, what's AEG thinking? What's what? 62 days, yes. All right, all right. We're talking just a little over two months. And what's AEG thinking of playing, having LAFC and Galaxy play on the same day? I mean, do they want do they want problems? Do they want conflicts? If they're dumb enough to schedule this, I hope they're smart enough to have plenty of security uh, on, on, on hand. By the way, when we went last season, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, I'm going to give you the final stats report of the game. We ended up having 11 shots, five on target. They had 14. Possession, they dominated it 62 to 39. Their passing accuracy, they were a lot sharper. They were a lot crisper than us. We didn't get beyond 76%. Uh, they had the lion's share of seven corners to our one. How often do you see that by? Uh, that was weird. I don't know what happened there. Fouls, 19 to their 12. And, you know, we were offside on three occasions, four yellow cards. And yeah, that's that's your final stats for the final game of the season. I, I want to point out, we mentioned the record, 53 games. Uh, I, I don't know of how many of those Denny Bwonga played, and I have to go back and look. Um, but I, I do want to point out, to score his 38 goals, Carlos Vela played in 36 games. 36 games to score 38 goals. Denny Bwonga had a magical season. Magical season. But Carlos did it in 36 games, y'all. <laughs> That's just nuts to me. Yeah. 36 games. He's he's special. All right. So let's talk about some things, folks. We mentioned after the match, we'd talk about roster composition for 2024. 
I want to point out a couple of things before we talk about who's out. Matty Bogush, Kike Oliveira, and Stipe Buke, the young guys. They're all signed through 2026 with options in 2027. So Matty Bogush, Kike Oliveira, and Stipe Buke, all through 2026. Timothy Tillman, Ryan Hollingshead, through 2025. And then we got Eddie Segura. Just want to—I got to bring up our our friend Eddie. We he did signed, see him at Lower.com Field. We did. He signed through 2024 with options in 25 and 26. Those are those are the guys we know about. Philly, I'm going to read to you a quote, and it was said, unfortunately, by one Denny Bawanga. Although his contract runs through 2025, he talked about his time with LAFC in the past tense and said a return to Europe could be in the works. He said, and I quote, I am really happy to have played for a year and a half here to get to know MLS. He told reporters in French, LAFC is a great institution. It's been really good, but yeah, it's a possibility. I return to Europe. I let the club and my agents figure out all of that stuff. Well, he's under contract through 2025, so the team and your agents figured it out. You're staying, right, Denny? Please. Well, he he had, there was that rumor, a series of rumors back towards the end of October, a week or so before Halloween, where there was a lot of chatter uh, about him being linked to Tigres, which wouldn't have all been that much of a shock considering the relationship he's had with Gignac going back to, going back to France. In fact... (laughs) <laughs> didn't he post a photo like uh, wishing Gignac a happy birthday, holding his kit at, at the end of one of the matches? I think yeah. that, you know, if you believe in omens, that could be a thing. If uh, you believe in the Stanley Cup, you know, omens with Denny, like his arm kind of grazing the MLS Cup during a photo right. session a couple days prior to the game. You know, you could link that to, to bad omens. I don't know. But anyways, if he does go which I certainly hope he doesn't go because then we really have lost all of our scoring threats. Um, he deserves to get paid and we deserve to get paid a serious amount of money. Like if we, if yeah. we let Denny go for like two, three million bucks, I'm well, going to be sick to my stomach. That's, uh, that's we, not going to be the case. No, I get it. But I mean, there have been some deals that have occurred while yes, maybe we set records for the biggest trades for targeted allocation money and, and general allocation money. But have we really made a blockbuster sell at the end of the day? We thought we would get a lot more for Jose Cifuentes than we did. Uh, we, we got paid on the back end with the Chicho deal when he ended up leaving to go back into the MLS with RSL. But, I mean, if we let Denny go, we had better seriously get paid. And there had better be a blockbuster signing uh, coming through January, February. I, I want to be excited. I, want, I, know the, I know the fans, the millions. And millions want to be excited as well. We lose Denny that we have to have one hell of a replacement for him. And look, I think we will. We've heard some rumors, uh, no names that we want to attach to anything right now, nope. but we we've heard some rumors. I do want to remind everybody in the chat. Someone mentioned CCL. We did not make champions league folks. Nope. We did not make champions league. We will not be playing by, by virtue of us losing the final that assured that the new England revolution would make the champions league and yeah. take not us. So. Yeah, there, there, there's confusion with it. Like the champions of the Western Conference, it doesn't go based on how you performed in the playoffs. It's right. based on the regular season. So right. the Western Conference champs in reality is St. Louis. Uh, so that's why they're in yeah. there. All right, let's talk about 
players who are out of contract that we know about. Carlos Vela, Giorgio Chiellini, Chiki Palacios, Kellen Acosta, and Maxime Cripo. Look, whatever we can do to keep <laughs> Chiki Palacios. Everybody makes open cup, Juan Pablo. <laughs> Uh, whatever we can do to keep Cheeky Palacios, whatever we can do to keep Maxime Cropot, we got to keep those guys. Giorgio Chiellini, it's up to Giorgio, right? I, I think we all know uh, uh, LAFC has already come out and said, we, we told Giorgio we want him back. It's up to him. So the two names that we really have to talk about on this list, because I don't think anybody doesn't want Cheeky and doesn't want Max. What do we do? I, I just want to remind everybody. They're two totally different players. I know. I know. But two years ago, Latif Blessing had no goals and no assists in MLS Cup games. And everybody ran him out of town. And I get why. I'm all for it. I got it, right? Like, he, there were, there were welcome mats that he had worn out. I got you. In 30 or is it 26, something like that, MLS Cup games, including playoffs, Kellen Acosta had zero goals and zero assists. He had one assist in League's Cup. That was it. And I know he does a lot more than stuff that appears on the back of the top soccer card, right? But for a guy making that much money, yep. there just wasn't a lot of production. I get it. Clubhouse stuff, all that other stuff. It's it's really valuable. And I love Kellen. We love Kellen. But man, that's a lot of money. And then Philly, talking about a guy making a lot of money who we may need a little bit more production from next year. You can't go the last 15 games of the season and not score, Carlos Vela. So well, what do we do? Well, look, here's the deal. Uh, with, with Giorgio, he said it. He was asked, you and I were five, six feet away from him in the press conference and the Balzalore.com field. It's up to him. And I, I hope he comes back. I, I really hope he does because he really was our most, along with Cheeky, our best defenders. Without a doubt, our best center back. I mean, Woody really came through later yeah. on in the season. What the heck happened? Oh. Nikki six just fell. That's not a good sign. Uh, no more kickstart my heart. Um, and I lost my train of thought. So he obviously has the decision with Carlos Vela. He he loves LA. He certainly loves LA, but he's, he's a free man at this point. If we sign him, it need, it needs to be a, with, with targeted allocation money. I just don't think we reserve another designated player spot for him. Uh, I, we give, we work with him as best as we can because you want to set a precedent as to how you treat your franchise player. I hate the way certain teams in different sports have treated their marquee player. Like I look at Patrick Ewing, for example. I'm sorry to bring up basketball and the New York <laughs> Knicks, but that's my team in case you were wondering. But a guy who was your franchise for so many years, the fact that they let him go in the way that they did, just it never sat well with me. So I hope LAFC does everything they can to make Carlos happy. If Carlos is, decides to retire, then by all means, because look, he's not the same player. There's no doubt about that. He would be effective coming off the bench. He'd be effective playing 60 minutes, but I don't think you keep a designated player spot reserved for him unless something happens in the offseason. Maybe he goes vegan. Maybe he goes, hangs out with Tom Brady and hits that fountain of youth. Um, that would be the only way I would even consider that. But I, I would yeah. be, if I were a betting man, I would venture to guess that Carlos and Giorgio retire. That is my guess going into 2024 all right yes yes or no just one word answer do you bring back kellen acosta no okay for a million all bucks right. no absolutely yeah. not 
And uh, and I agree with all, all everybody in the chat, by the way, who said No, you're not uh, agreeing with the fact that we, we Hello Kitty Hello Kitty becomes a part of our history. No, just for that, you're gonna see her the rest of this time, Lafferty. <laughs> yeah. um, and you do, I just oh, I thought we were cool. There's uh there's a, a transfer window opening up in January that uh I think Cheeky Palacios will be a part of, but the club needs to do whatever they can to get a piece of that on the back end. Um, options to be decided on what we know that Ilya Sanchez and John McCarthy both have options for next season. I would love to have Ilya come back. Uh, I absolutely love Ilya. I think he's still got plenty in the tank. Um, do you? I, I do. I do. I like what he brings to the club. I think that if you're bringing in younger midfielders like Matty Bogush, he's a great guy to have around to teach Matty to be the best that he can be. Um, I, I think that would be really good. And and I agree with Lafferty in the chat right now who's saying that John needs to go get paid. John, if you can go make that bag, buddy, go make that bag, John, because you have earned it, my friend. You've absolutely earned it on your end. Um, I, I don't think it's – look, if you want to stay and be a second keeper, we'll take you. But I think it would be – I think it would be huge for John – to go get that bag. And I think every member of the black and gold faithful, every single one of the millions and millions would support John McCarthy doing whatever he needs to do to get his, uh, Daniel Maldonado's loan agreement expires. We haven't heard anything about the club bringing yeah, that's Daniel not Maldonado happening. back. I, that's not I, I happening. Thought he was, but I thought he was fine. I thought he was there, fine. There's been a lot of stuff that I've read where, you know, they're, and I, I don't, I don't know how true it could be, that he, um, when going off with Honduras, LAFC was trying to prevent him from going off because they wanted him with the team. I read yeah. that somewhere, and that didn't strike me as true because from the very get-go, John Thorrington has always been up front with wanting these players that have the opportunity to go international to go ahead and do so because we know how valuable of an experience and what an honor that is. So whether yeah. or not those rumors are true, because you never know depending on the periodicals, I don't buy that it is, but I don't think that we keep him on his loan. I mean, we do did not really see him in the second half of the season. Well, I, I wouldn't want to stay if I were him, right? If you know, look, Aaron Long is under contract through 2024. Uh, we know Mario is under contract, but I don't know. I couldn't find anywhere the hell his contract is, but we know he's under contract for next year. So you know Long and Mario, as, as things stand right now, if Giorgio retires, even if Giorgio stays next year, he might be our Eric Gagne, uh, Mariano Rivera-style center back coming in and closing out the match, giving us 20, 30 good minutes for one of those other two. But you got to think Daniil is the fourth center back at best right now. Um, <laughs> I wanted to address right. that. Yeah. Hercules let's, Gomez. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's address. So uh, Philly, I'll let you take it. D Velez 86. Cause we want to give you your props here in the chat. And thank you guys all for being wonderful in the chat, by the way, it's going to be a little bit longer of an episode because we're talking about all these potential roster issues, but D Velez 86 in the chat says, what's up with Hercules Gomez and his crazy idea that will Koontz, who now of course is the man in charge of the ship down in Carson might want Carlos Vela down there. Philly. Your thoughts. It's a very crazy idea. And look, we know it's clickbait kind of stuff to hit up. Hercules Gomez, after all, was a G. Such a silly, silly term. Uh, and he's going to want to create some kind of controversy because obviously we all see that. And obviously it's spurred a lot of animosity. I thought about typing some very choice words to Hercules Gomez, but I, 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 I deferred. 
You would be very proud of me, Scarf. The number of times I had angry tweets ready to send out to people last night, but click delete. You would be so proud of me. But he's obviously stirring up a controversy. The idea that Carlos Vela even being in galaxy colors is something that sickens me, absolutely sickens me. And there's no way with everything that LAFC that he's done for the club and everything, the love that we've shown him, there's no way he would turn his back on us like that. At some point, yes, it's a business, but then there's also a matter of respect. Carlos Vela being a G would be the biggest kick to our teeth and one of the nastiest things ever. I see it more likely that Chicharito being a member of LAFC is a reality than Carlos Vela being on the Galaxy. So Hercules Gomez, you, it's, it's your opposite day. Chicharito, black and gold is what I'll call your your BS, Carlos Vela being a G. That's what I'm saying. All right. So we, we still look. We could talk about a couple other guys after this. But let's let's address that, that elephant in the room right now. There have been rumors. There have been rumors linking, potentially. And Jay Gutierrez is the only, only one liking the uh, the rumor potentially, of Chicharito. Not as a designated player, by the way. I've, I've heard oh, no God, no. as a DP, obviously. But what would you all think, Defenders Nation? And we want to hear from you on social media. If you're listening to this the next day or the day after or whatever it is, we've heard rumors that Chicharito could be tempted to come to BMO Stadium and play for LAFC next year. What would you guys think if Chicharito, and I can't, I don't even want to say the words in that order, uh, Chicharito in black and gold? That, he was yeah. the original thought process as to who to build the franchise around. I mean, that was the idea. I remember it was between him and Wayne Rooney that those were the rumors I heard at the very inception of this club. And then both of those ended up falling through. And at the end of the day, it was Carlos Vela that came through and it worked out for the better. The only way that I would appreciate Chicharito being there is, is, is a ha-ha to the other club. But other than that, wait, what are we seeing? Better than Mar? Yes, without a doubt. I would If it was a choice between Mario Gonzalez and Chicharito, hands down, I would bring him into the club and, and, and take Mario way out. Um, I don't really foresee even that happening, Scarf, but the fact that Hercules Gomez would bring that up, just, we know, yes, I get the point. Kuntz, LA, it's not happening. Chicharito coming to LAFC, I don't necessarily see happening, but if there was the two options, more likely Chicharito black and gold than Vela being on the other side. Yeah, a couple other players that we believe are out of contract. Uh, Danny Chrysostomo. Danny Chrysostomo is going to find a way back on the team next year. Just watch. We're going to hear like in January or July or I don't know. All of a sudden, Danny Chrysostomo signed to a deal for the rest of 2024. It's not going to surprise me. Uh, Abraham Romero, who I didn't realize is 25 years old. Abraham Romero, the keeper. Abraham, go find playing time. You're a really good keeper. It's fun to watch you play. <laughs> go find playing time. Uh, Eldon Yakupovic, who is on loan right now, I think his contract is out by the first of the year anyway. So I think Eldon's gone. 18-year-old Diego Rosales, his contract is, is also up. So let's talk about a couple of other quick players, Philly. Fufu Krasdev is a player who we might have to make a decision on 
I really like what Fufu Krostev brought to the club, and I think he might get more run depending on who we bring in. His loan expires in the middle of next year. So it'll be interesting to see June 2024 is when Krostev's loan is up. And I want to remind everybody again, Matty Bogush, Kiki Oliveira, and Stipe Buk are all through 2026, and Tillman and Hollingshead are through 2025. So your thoughts on Krostev? In the limited amount of time that I saw him, not a great body of work throughout the course of the entire season. I liked what yeah. I saw from him. He was a young, ambitious, not afraid to, to take a big shot kind of a player, which is something that I we, we could really use on this team. I don't know how much his club wants. I mean, I heard that there's a seven-figure idea as to how much they would want for Krostev, but I did like what I saw of him. Do I think he's worth millions of dollars? No, at least I can't make that decision within the limited minutes he had in the limited body of work. But I like what I saw of him in the time that he featured for the black and gold. Yeah, I'll say this. If it's a million dollars or two and we've got the TAM or the GAM or the I don't know what kind of money you you pay those things with, I, maybe we keep crushed up. See if we can develop. I mean, that's an interesting – God, you might, just, I'll just throw this out. I want to throw up in my mouth as I say this, but – uh-oh. Krostev, Kike Oliveira, and Stipe Buk are all then going to be on the roster. And you put those three out there uh, along with like a Nathan Ordaz and a Matty Bogush. I mean, you might be having the youngest team in the league going from older Carlos Vela, older Giorgio Chiellini to now you're playing Kike Oliveira, Stipe Buk, Fufu Krostev, Matty Bogush. Well, geez, now you, just have the, now you just have the LAFC team that featured against the Galaxy in the Open Cup. <laughs> no, these guys are better. These guys are better. You got you get some time for Eric Duenas. You get some time. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, by the way, Mario Alvarado mentions Mia Hamm. Uh, she was at the final. Uh, she was there. I got you to gave her a hug, her. didn't you? I did. It was look. I wasn't going to say anything, but oh my god, I gave Mia Hamm a hug. I mean, I'm just going to say, and I, I geeked out. Like I turned the corner and I saw Nomar and that like chiseled chin of his, and and he was wearing this sweatshirt too. Not this exact one. This is mine, but. Nomar was wearing the the old sweatshirt from 2019 or 2020, whatever this one is, comfortable. Uh, but then Mia was there. I was like, oh, Mia, thank you so much for coming. And I just hugged her. I don't even know why. I just hugged her. <laughs> uh, if she had security, I would have been removed from the premises. I was just, that's, dude, it's Mia Ham. That's Mount Rushmore. Um, D Velez 86 says, LFC needs to get rid of Janela. We did. He's on loan. What do you want him to do? Um, so look, here's, here's the silver lining. You guys ready? And it's not just my hair. Here's the silver lining. 62 days away. Sunday, <laughs> February 11th. And Philly, to answer your question, I have no idea why they are putting the Carson Galaxy at 10 o'clock and LAFC taking on the Chicago Fire at 1230 on the same day at the Empire Polo Grounds or the Indio Polo, whatever the hell they're called. It's out in Coachella. 62 days away until our playoff or playoff, our preseason match against the Chicago Fire on Sunday, February 11th. Better have that beefed-up security detail, AEG, because you're playing with fire. You really are going to be playing with fire. It is so dumb. But look, this team is not going to look like what they looked like coming off the pitch in Columbus. It's going to be a very different club. Oh, yeah. But you know what we know, Philly? We'll, We'll be there. Because it's not about the name on the back of the jersey. It's not even about the sponsor on the front of the jersey, although we do love flex. It pays. It's definitely about the name on the front of the jersey. No, for sure. For sure. But 
over the course of this club's history, we'll have different sponsors on the front. We'll have different names on the back. But the crest stays the same. And whether it's fortunate or unfortunate for you out there that are listening, we're not going anywhere either. The Defenders of the Bank won Christian Philly Philemon and your friendly neighborhood scarf, J.R. Liebert. We will be there for all seasons to come until the breath leaves our body. Sunday, February 11th is when we will officially kick off talking about who's on and who's off and who's in and who's out and who we want out and who we want in. All our dolo out haters will be ready to go. All I know is I can't wait to start celebrating successes in 2024 and wipe the taste of a lot of this season out of my mouth. Yeah, for sure. I I had it in my head when I was praying to the soccer gods that, you know, I want, please like what I wanted was LAFC to go back to back. And I would have been so fine with a sub 500 season going into 2024, but now it's, yeah, it's to, to be so close to, to silverware on multiple occasions. Uh, it just it left me wanting more. I'm certainly happy to have a break, as I'm sure you are. You and I have had at least 106 podcasts this uh, this season. That's a whirlwind for us. Uh, you bring up the Dolo haters real quick. I just want to say that in two years, two seasons. You know, he's had four trophies in 94 games. He's gone 52, 15 and 27. Most wins in first year as a coach, MLS Cup champion, Supporter Shield champion, CONCACAF Champions League finalist, MLS Western Conference champion, 22, 23, uh, top 15, IFFHS, world's best, clo- uh, best club coach nominee. And if you're wondering what the hell the IFFHS is, the International Federation of Football History and Statistics, which is an organization that was founded in 84, that is set and headquartered, uh, I believe, in Zurich. Uh, so that's who that is. He's the fastest ever to win 25 games in the MLS in 40 games. And again, back-to-back MLS Cups. Only the third coach in league history to do so. So uh, at any level, that would be deemed a success. So for those of you who thinks he's a failure, uh, you, you're wrong. And I'm not, you know, you, we get called homers and all this other stuff. But yeah, we love the club and we're just trying to be reasonable here. We'll call it like we see it, but that's a pretty darn good resume for two seasons, if you ask me. We can't win every single game. And as Giorgio Chiellini said, look, it's better to make it and play in a final than to lose in the first round. It sucks to lose regardless, but it's still pretty darn good being in the final. So for the Dolo haters, I'm not going to sway your judgment. You've already ridden in on that horse and you're going to die on that hill. But those are the stats that I wanted to read out to you uh, about Dolo. Dolo's been quite successful in his first two seasons. I got one more stat and Ruben, I hate that you're right about this. February 11th, our first day, first game. It's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll address that on another pod then, I guess. Ruben, thanks for the heads up. (laughs) Sunday, That's going to be interesting. All right, y'all. Philly, I don't know how many damn episodes we recorded this year. Over a hundred. If you include one more sleeps and our, our other episodes that we've recorded this year, guys, it's, uh, you can always bother Philly, by the way. Yeah, please don't, don't ever think you're bothering me unless I'm, 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 
I'm fighting somebody in a corner or I'm being escorted out or something. Please bother me, bother Scarf. I, I want to get to meet all of you. I mean, there's so many of you out there that listen to our show that I haven't had and Scarf hasn't had the opportunity to interact with. Look, I, we're just... We're just a bunch of knuckleheads with microphones. Like, just bother us by all means. And I'll tell you what, if you bother us, I might end up buying you a drink. That's my commitment to you. If you see me and we haven't met before and you come through and bother me at the stadium, I will get you a drink. That is my promise to you starting 2024. So, Jay Gutierrez, I better meet you next season and I will buy you a drink when you bother me. I love it. Don't forget. You're not bothering Like, <laughs> subscribe. Hey, hold on. This is the important part. Don't forget to like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Follow us, Defenders of the Bank, on our social media platforms, except for X, where we are Defend the Bank. And I just want to say something to the over 55, 60 people that have been up and down and in the chat, to all of the millions. And millions. Thank you for supporting Defenders of the Bank through six seasons of podcasts we love you we can't wait to do one or two more here in december and close out this season that's right erica knows about the uh it's not sangria though it's just jungle juice the girls it's liquid mess you up is what it is it it will definitely do that and you know how we have ended all over 100 episodes we have done this year We love you guys so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.